Welcome to Songs of the Weird. I'm Bobby Waller. Each episode, I get together with musicians, comedians, or otherwise enlightened beings to eviscerate, investigate, elucidate, and celebrate music that is decidedly off the beaten path. Happy Halloween, everybody. This is our first Halloween episode of Songs of the Weird. I am here with Alan Partlow. Hey, Bob. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> and also our guest, I'm very pleased to introduce, is Shorty Kawakami. Hey, everybody. Thanks hey, for Shorty. having me. Shorty, you have, I think, awesome credentials for a Halloween episode because more than anybody else I know, you live for Halloween. I'm a little bit of a Halloween freak for sure. <laughs> like Halloween yes. is definitely the lifestyle. I'm just going to say that. We were at a, an event together last week. This is being recorded in August. And you had bat socks on in August. <laughs> yeah. You so know. It's, it's year yeah. round for you. It is, it is year round for sure. And not only do you just love Halloween, but you live it in some significant ways. One is that you host a show on YouTube. Could you tell us about that? So uh, super fun show that I barely remember, usually after filming, but it's called uh, Walking After Whiskey. <laughs> and uh, it's basically a show where we watch uh, The Walking Dead and uh, we drink a lot. That's what we do. Hey, <laughs> so, there you go. sounds like my kind of production. Yeah, <laughs> it's a good time. You should be on the show. It's pretty much what you're doing here. I would totally do that. I would totally do that. I know, we should do some tradesies and have you on the show for oh, sure. Oh, I would totally do that. That would be awesome. So for today's show, we're covering all horror slash Halloween songs. We have each selected three. <laughs> so I'm, I'm going to start us off because I picked the oldest of the songs. And that is a song called Old Man Moe's, uh, which was covered by uh, Louis Armstrong and others over the years. My favorite version of it is by Betty Hutton. And it goes like this. One time there lived an old man with a very crooked nose. He lived inside a low cut in the So the narrator is out in the woods on a dark day, knocks on the cabin door of an old man named Mose and gets no answer. And here is why. Cause don't believe, oh man, I do believe, oh man, you so believe, oh man, that old man Mose is dead. Old man Mose is dead. And what do we do to show how scared we are? We scat in the weirdest way possible. We I wanted to ask, I think it's the very beginning of the song. It has that musical motif that is so entombed in like the Halloween <laughs> universe. Yeah. That dun, 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 bum, 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 that thing. Where does that come from? Do you know the origin of that? Oh, gosh. 
listeners i'm sure somebody knows <laughs> let us know i'm not right it's just part of the, the of yeah. halloween it's just there it's probably i didn't even yeah, yeah i didn't even know how to do it uh, yeah is it a classical piece is it only from cartoons we don't know but it's a cool musical signifier that this is a horror song I love this song. I love Betty Hutton with all my heart. She is a powerhouse. She's like the Jack Black of my late 1930s <laughs> big band vocal performances. She has just so much energy. Super animated, like crazy oh. animated. Uh, listeners at home, we are referring to a video that you can see on YouTube that was recorded, I think, in 1939. Um, and she's just on fire. She's incredible. There's also a, a 1938 version with Patricia Norman singing for the Eddie Duchin Orchestra, which, music trivia, is heralded as uh, the first song ever to include the F word. We believe. Oh, fuck it. We believe. We believe. He kicked the bucket and old man Moses dead. <laughs> I gotta say, that really does sound like the F word to me. Uh, however, there are detractors who say that was not the F word. It was simply oddly enunciated onomatopoeia for chicken clucking. I don't really understand the, the reference. Like, why chicken? Uh, uh, yeah, other than it's kind of a general rural feeling. The lyrics are yeah, yeah. out in the woods, and I I don't know. <laughs> I don't know, but that's fine. Maybe it was an excuse to get the word fuck it in there. <laughs> exactly. The phrase fuck it in there. All right, cool. Moving right along. Shorty, you are next. What musical Halloween gem have you got for us? So I'm actually going to start with Fear of the Dark by Iron Maiden. I'm a man who walks alone And when I'm walking a dark road At night or strolling through the park When the light begins to change I sometimes feel a little strange A little anxious when it's dark Fear of the dark Fear of the dark I mean, I love this song. I love Bruce Dickinson's voice. Like, I'm obsessed with his voice. I can just listen to it all day long. Um, and this one, you know, it's a long song, too. It's seven minutes of not mm -hmm. very many lyrics. <laughs> <laughs> I noticed that. Right. But, uh, yeah, you know, it's over seven minutes of not very many lyrics. But from what I've heard, the songwriter, Steve Harris, he actually had a fear of the dark. So said by Bruce Dickinson. So that's actually how the, um, wow. how the, the, the song came to be. So... I love this song. The, the The entire lyrical message is, I'm afraid of the dark. Right, That's yeah. like every line is just like, I'm afraid of the dark. But it's a very musical song because, you know, most songs have verse, chorus, bridge, right? Predictable. And that very predictable. This is not at all a predictable song. It starts off all slow and eerie. I have a phobia that someone's always there. And then it kicks into gear. And evolves into this soaring anthemic guitar solo. 
and then a different sounding guitar takes over. And then the lyrics come back, and then it slows down. I mean, it's just like ever-changing yeah. song. Which it's is, some pretty complex songs. Actually. It is. I, yeah, I, I, I totally love it. Well, yeah. When it first started, I thought it was a song about paranoia, um, which I suppose it could be. But then I read that quote by Bruce Dickinson saying that the bass player, Steve, who wrote it, no, he's just afraid of the dark. <laughs> And I, and I found that very charming, you know, you think of this like badass metal guy in Iron Maiden who's afraid of the dark. <laughs> it is charming. And I like that story because it defies this uh, probably all too easy notion that the metal guys must be emissaries of evil uh, when um, maybe they're just ordinary people who happen to be pretty comfortable confronting fears. It's like, Shorty, if, if you don't mind me saying this, um, I know you to be a fan of Halloween stuff, lots of killing and death and horrible, horrible things, but you are not a killer as far as I know. <laughs> well, yeah, and you'll never know because I watch a lot of Snapped in my spare time, so <laughs> I watch oh, a lot of murder porn. Okay. So. <laughs> I, I would like to reverse this line of reasoning. Well, that, uh, keep, that keeps you from killing. That keeps Correct. you from killing. Good. Yeah, no, I mean, and, and exactly that. Because I, I think maybe there's some kind of like subconscious, like we, we are animals still. We kill or that's in our psyche somewhere. Right. And we have to deal with that, especially in human societies that don't generally applaud murder and so on. Well, no, that's not even true. <laughs> we do. We do applaud murder. But uh, but but you go to jail for it. Yeah, Sometimes. I mean, there's a fascination Sometimes. there because it's something that you wouldn't do. That's how I feel anyway. Like, I'm fascinated with, you know, serial killers and stuff just because it's something that I can't even imagine is capable in that human psyche. Mm -hmm. So I think that's why I'm oh, a little bit fascinated with yeah, it. Yeah. Um, I am going through a dictator phase right now. <laughs> Linda's like, let's watch something on TV tonight. I'm like, okay, how about Mussolini's how to be a tyrant? There's a series called How to Be a Tyrant. Oh, my. I, I, I saw that it. that exists. I've not seen it, but it's pretty good. It's clever. It's well written. It's in an mm -hmm. entertaining way. And, you know, it's it's history light, but I just love it. Nice. And at the same time, I'm listening to a podcast called Real Dictators. <laughs> I just you are all in. <laughs> I, I am not. I, 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 I'm but, not. Yeah, it's similar to my fascination with cults. Yeah, right. Yeah, and you're you're like the least culty guy there. Right, you're not you're not a joiner. No, and it's it, because it's something that I just don't understand. Yeah. But then part yeah, of me yeah, yeah. kind of does. It's like, okay, I see how yeah. some how people can get sucked into that. You know? Yeah, and I, that's probably what's behind all this Halloween stuff is like, oh, I can't fathom murder or mm -hmm. can I? <laughs> <laughs> Nice. <laughs> All right. Well, let's move on to Alan's first choice. Alan, what have you got for us? Uh, my first choice is a song by Rocky Erickson called White Faces. The entire album that this song is on, The Evil One, it's all basically Halloween songs. There's songs mm. about vampires and ghosts and zombies. Um, but this song is like, to me, the most mysterious because I, other than 
just like demonic possession, I guess it, it's about. I'm not really sure. Um, but a little little background on Rocky Erickson. He was schizophrenic. I believe he was schizophrenic. He had some illness that was pretty debilitating for years and years. Right. And so he actually lived this. I mean, he right. would see demons and thought demons surrounded him all, at all times and possessed him. So this comes from a very real place. Yeah. So for listeners who may not know the name Rocky Erickson, he was the lead singer of the 13th Floor Elevators, whose biggest hit was in 1966. It was a song called You're Gonna Miss Me, which goes like this. And he also had a solo career stopped for some years largely because of mental health issues um and came back i think he's passed away since then hasn't he yeah, yeah. Few, yeah. like three years ago maybe yeah, yeah. 2019 okay. yeah Ooh. whoa we're getting all geeky here i like that <laughs> oh. I, do, I do this this album's so good i mean it's it the line i like i love from this song um contains a word that i don't think is a real word and, and i've seen it in, in all the lyrics printed the uh, the line the fiery evil bleeb. Oh, I looked that up because I wasn't sure. But yeah. The closest I came was there's a German word blieben, which uh, which I know I forgot what it means. Hold on, I just pulled it up. Uh, according to interglot.com, it means stayed, remained, kept. I don't know. That doesn't huh. that doesn't help. That doesn't at all. make sense in either. German. It's a German yeah, word. It's German. But it doesn't make any sense. And according to one user on UrbanDictionary.com, the world's most reliable source of definitions, a bleep is a person who loves metal so much they headbang in their room by themselves daily and masturbate to Guitar Hero on a regular basis. <laughs> Somehow, I don't think that's what Rocky Erickson was referring to in 1979. I would, I mean, I assumed, I don't know why. I was thinking like the whole Beelzebub thing, just because everything right. was so, so devil oriented. So that's what I, that was my assumption. Uh, and I think uh, like when you look at this song closely, it, it doesn't make 100% sense. No, it is kind of like the ramblings of somebody who has a mental health issue. Yes, that, it's the know, least coherent of any of the songs. In yeah, the for sure. But 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 it works. Mm. It, it adds to the madness. And right. one of the lines brings up a serpent, right? A reference to a serpent and yes, I believe so. Yes, demons so. and serpents and yeah. And the funny thing is, in interviews, he's a sweet guy. He is he's a yeah, lovable, he's, yeah. laughing, fun guy, mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Yeah. All right. So let's go to round two. And I guess we're back to me. Yeah. <laughs> My next song is I Put a Spell on You by Screaming Jay Hawkins, 1956. I put a spell on you. Because you're mine Stop the things you do <laughs> What's up? 
It's such a good song. Oh my God. For listeners who have never checked out Screamin' Jay Hawkins, I think you could really argue that he is the progenitor of shock rock. Oh, yes. He would come out on stage in this sort of like jazz witch doctor costume. In this yeah, he'd come kinda... in a coffin oftentimes. Oh, he did? I didn't know that. Even better. Yeah. <laughs> and Even he... better. And he would wear a cloak and he would have a bone through his nose and he had this scepter with a skull on it. And right. he was but, all about the theatricality. I can't remember, but the skull actually had a name. I can't remember. <laughs> he had a name for it. I can't, th- I can't think of it. Well, I heard a story about him in this song in particular. When he first wrote it, he sang it as a blues ballad. It was like a love song. And then uh, he met the DJ and promoter Alan Freed. And they went in the studio and they got like super drunk and recorded this. And afterwards, Screaming Jay, he said he, did, he didn't remember recording it. Oh, my gosh. So, uh, yeah, Alan, Alan Freed, he, he called Screaming Jay uh, the black Vincent Price. Oh, that's uh, He looks like Vincent Price. Yeah, a little bit. Yeah. He's got hair? Vincent Price's oh. hair. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. Wow. On my obsession to find the name of his scepter um it says he's actually he survived a amateur boxing career a hand grenade in the korean war and numerous dangerous special effects on stage oh yeah he still light his hair on fire (laughs) and then he didn't look like vincent price at all then he looked like (laughs) freddie a small bit of trivia did either of you notice i put a spell on you is a waltz Oh, yeah, absolutely. It's in three. Well, I don't know technically what a waltz is, but it's yeah, in three, three four. four. Bump, 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 you can bump, dance, you can bump, dance bump, with bump, your grandmother. Bump, to this. Bump. Yes. <laughs> oh, my God. My grandma loved voodoo. Oh, she loved it. <laughs> so his that skull awesome. on a stick was named Henry. 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 <laughs> Take oh. me a minute. That <laughs> is awesome. Skull on a stick. I like that. Skull on a stick. Henry. All right. Next. Uh, so, uh, Shorty, I think uh, you're next in the right. order that we've established. All righty. So uh, my next song is like bubblegum rap. <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of a little near and dear to my heart just because Nightmare on Elm Street was the very first horror movie I saw. Um, so this is Nightmare on Elm Street by DJ Jazzy Jeff and the Fresh Pints. Now I have a story that I'd like to tell about this guy. You all know me and we're scared as hell. He comes to me a night after I call him to bed. He's burnt up like a weenie and his name is Fred. He wears the same hat and sweater every single day. And even if it's hot outside, he wears it anyway. He's all when I'm awake, but he shows up when I'm asleep. I can't believe that there's a nightmare on my street. It's a long story about how, you know, his friends go to the movies after one of their concerts. They see Nightmare on Elm Street and then boom, they're living. Once they fall asleep, they're actually living in their own uh, Nightmare on Elm Street. I think they missed an opportunity to cast uh, as the Freddy character, Fab Five Freddy. (laughs) (laughs) My favorite line in this video, though, is at the end, um, the fake Freddy. He actually says, (laughs) I'm your DJ now, Princey. Like, that's my favorite line in the whole song. I'm your DJ now, Princey. My favorite line is at the beginning where he describes him as burnt up like a weenie. To me, this is just such an innocent song of a, of a bygone era when a, so much of rap was just 
you know, storytelling rap, humorous storytelling, Mm -hmm. too. And I think I want to do an episode about that. Um, And and I also like uh, the story that's told. The basic storyline is I saw Freddy. I thought it was real. Then I realized it was just a dream. And then I realized it was real. And then I realized (laughs) it was a dream. And then I realized it was real. Right. Because like, like, all right, because he gets home and like he hears Freddy on TV. Actually, so what pisses Freddy off is when um, the Fresh Prince goes downstairs, he actually goes to turn off the TV, but Freddy was watching whatever was on TV. So that's actually what pisses <laughs> is is. Freddy off the first oh, time. I didn't catch so, you know, don't turn you off know. somebody's TV show. I man. was watching that. <laughs> exactly. Can't, can't now I will right. haunt your nightmares. Exactly. <laughs> All right. So uh, the Fresh Prince goes into full-on manic panic and goes running down the street. But then he uh, realizes he must be dreaming, and so he stops and goes back home and just kind of hangs out with Freddy. Uh, Freddy tries to talk him into stealing the souls of his friends. He grabbed me by my neck and said, Here's what we We got a lot of work here, me and you. The souls of your friends, you and I will play. But the Fresh Prince, being the loyal friend that he is, refuses, mostly on the grounds that Freddy will be a cock This pisses Freddy off. He goes on the offensive. The Fresh Prince uh, hides under his sheets for protection, and Freddy uh, starts clawing the sheets. It wasn't a dream, man. This guy was for real. So once again, Freddy's real. But then the alarm goes off. Uh, Fresh Prince wakes up and Freddy is all gone. As it turns out, it was all just a dream. Or was it? In silence, it was a whole new day. I thought <laughs> I wasn't scared of him anyway until I noticed those rips in my sheets. And that was proof that there had been a nightmare on my street. Uh, I don't know what's real anymore, (laughs) but I do know that we have to move on. Uh, So, Alan, what's next? So the next thing I want to talk about is uh, a a punk rock song from England from 1977 by the adverts called Gary Gilmore's Eyes. I'm lying in the hospital, I'm pinned against a bed, a stethoscope upon my heart, a hand against my head. I love this song and it's very fascinating to me because it's based on a true story ripped from today's headlines Uh, so if you don't know gary gilmore killed two people in utah in the 70s and was sentenced to death and he was famous for basically demanding that they execute him oh he wanted to die so oh i remember this yeah and And, am i correct that there had been like a federal ban against capital punishment Right. And he, I think, was the first person to be killed after the ban was lifted. I, I believe so, yeah. And he was killed by Firing Squad, which is... Uh, wow! Firing yeah. Squad! <laughs> yeah, yeah. epic! That, yeah. probably more humane. 
Because that, like, I hear the drug cocktail can leave you suffering sometimes. Right, and it's it's creepy as hell because oh. firing squad is composed of volunteers. Volunteers? Yeah. Well, they, oh they have my to be, gosh, they have to be police officers, but oh, still, volu- yeah. but they volunteered. They signed up. Oh yeah, for it. yeah, yeah. So before Gary Gilmore was executed in 1977, he donated his organs, and I think he donated his corneas because he said they're probably the only thing that are still good. Apparently, two people were recipients of Gary Gilmore's corneas. So the song is about looking through Gary Gilmore's eyes. It's uh, having a surgery, and now you can see, but you're looking through the eyes of a killer. Oh, my gosh. I love the concept of the song. I thought that... yeah, it's a really cool concept and a, a little tiny bit of a Gary Gilmore tie in to the area that we come from. Shorty is that his neglectful and abusive dad married his mom mm-hmm. in Sacramento. Ah. Mm-hmm. There are so few stories where Sacramento is central to anything. (laughs) And when they do happen, it's almost never a good thing. (laughs) (laughs) Hey, I say we move on to round three. All right. right. Okay, I am up next. And uh, my last selection for our first Halloween episode is a song called Jack the Ripper by Screaming Lord Such, and it needs just a little bit of setup. We're gonna be watching a YouTube video, which listeners, you should definitely check out. It's a densely crowded music venue. The band's already on stage, uh, and and we hear the lead singer's voice before we see him. There's a man who walks the streets of London late at night. The There's a pathway that's been cleared. It's kind of a little dark walkway. And Lord Such slowly emerges from the darkness. And now listen to how the audience reacts when they first see his face. (laughs) They just shriek. He's all made up to have this sallow complexion with the darkened eyes. He's got this really deviant grin, and he's all decked out in this sort of like Victorian Undertaker garb. With the streets of a London kind of never say yay. Whenever Jack the Ripper ever shows his face. He's just got that crowd wrapped around his little finger and he'll just get in their face and just kind of make a sudden movement and people scream. Some of them are smiling and laughing like that nervous kind of fearful laughter. And and I think that's another thing that's about that's cool about Halloween, how it's part real scare and part jest. Right. And camp and camp. Right. And a whole and a whole lot of camp. Well, this performance, what I, what I found the most amusing about this performance in the audience was you would see like the girls that like they're trying to dance a little bit and get into it, but they're scared. <laughs> so like, it's really like a weird, <laughs> is he going to touch me? Cause he like, he really does get up in me? their face. Oh, like, he, he breaks the fourth up. wall. Yeah, he's got, the, he's got the greasy long hair. He's got that shiny like vinyl top hat on. Mm-hmm. Like it's the yeah. performance is amazing. That's There's pretty a- much how I feel every time I go to a Ren fair. 
<laughs> please <laughs> don't touch me. Please don't touch me. <laughs> There's a great, uh, it's very short. It's like a half an hour long documentary on screaming Lord such, but he's, he's actually very charming. He, he like lives with his mom. You know? So there's like scenes of him having tea with his mom, you know, and he started a political party. Oh, I totally forgot about that. Yeah. He in, in the same year that he put out this song, he started a political party known as the official monster raving loony party, Awesome, <laughs> which is kind of a gag. Well, definitely a kind gag <laughs> party, you know, designed to give protest voters something to vote for. Um, and he did that, I guess, right up until his death. I think he died sometime in this century. Mm-hmm. Um, interesting guy. Uh, his name is David Edward Such. So S-U-T-C-H is his real last name. He also goes by the third Earl of Harrow, which he wasn't like, a real Lord, though. I, I don't think. I don't think he was a real Lord. Right. He's a pretty working class guy living with his mom. Right. As you said, I mean, of course, screaming Lord Such had to have borrowed from screaming jay hawkins right yes there's he no was. way he could have done that outs- without being aware of dude the those two are totally different it's <laughs> screaming <laughs> apostrophe oh, right. yes jay hawkins and screaming lord such no right. he they he, he was totally totally acknowledged his debt to screaming jay hawkins which i think is cool because i yeah like you know screaming jay hawkins pretty much created this genre of shock rock and mm-hmm. overseas you've got as you often had in those days some little british kid looking at african-american original and going oh that's freaking awesome i want to do that yeah and putting yeah. their own spin on it um i i just love it uh and since I've covered everything chronologically so far. I'm going to my last little thing that I want to add here uh, is that Screaming Lord Such revived this 1964 song in 1977. And of course, you know what was going on musically. What was the big kind of music in 1977? Punk rock. And disco. Oh, <laughs> so oh, here, no, he does a disco version. Yeah, and here's oh. a little bit of the disco version of Screaming Lords, such as Jack the Ripper. There's a man who walks the streets of London late at night. The river. Jack the river. With a little black bag that's oh, so tight. The river. Jack the river. Oh, wow. Someday I want to do a whole episode on peculiar disco remakes, uh, but but that's for a later day. For now, it's time to move on. Uh, Shorty, your last selection is... I chose uh, Red Right Hand by uh, Nick Cage. Nick Cage. Oh, my God. (laughs) Oh, you know that dude, Nicholas Cage. Nicholas Cage. (laughs) (laughs) I'm all about Nick Cage, apparently. Uh, Let's go with Nick... Cave in the bad seats. Jesus. Here we go. Nick Cave in the bad seats. Take a little walk to the edge of town and go across the track where the viaduct looms like a bird of doom as he ships and cracks where secrets lie in the border fires and the humming wires. Hey man, you know you're never coming. Gathering 
the storm comes a tall, handsome man in a dusty black coat with a red right hand. Do you know the reference, uh, the red right hand reference? What is it from um, John Milton's Paradise Lost? The right, poem? right. So for listeners who may be unfamiliar with Paradise Lost, it's a 17th century English epic poem that explores a lot of religious ideas, uh, including and especially the dual nature of God. Uh, and in it, John Milton, the poet, uh, describes God as having a left hand of mercy and a right hand of vengeance, which is red. Uh, presumably because it's dripping with blood. And that's the idea that Nick Cave is alluding to in this song. It's a very cool song, though. Super cool. Uh, yeah, I think of all the selections, this song, and it's probably because of Nick Cave. He's a very literate songwriter. That Yeah. It seems a little obvious. But um, I was reading about his process for writing this song. He created this entire backstory with this town and along with the lyrics, he had pages and pages of like maps of this fictional town that was sort of based on where he grew up. It almost was like he was writing a book or creating a big scenario around this song. Yeah. What caught my attention was the edge of town because so mm -hmm. often horror stories are set on the edge of something, yeah. on the periphery. So it's between right. civilization and the wilderness, there's going to right. be this, this spot. I think of one of my favorite songwriters, Dan Byrne, has a song where he meets God. And specifically, it's on the edge of town where the wind meets the stillness, where the dark meets the light. Like it's 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 this and it's that. It's neither of those things. Right. Uh, or even, I, I even think of things like... Uh, being John Malkovich, the edge of the apartment is where the portal to the other universe is. Mm -hmm. Like, like this uh, Halloween is the edge of right. everything. It's it's uh, it's between life and death, quite literally. It's where we, the living, right. go to be as okay with the other side as we can possibly be. Oh yeah. You're one microscopic cog in his catastrophic plan Designed and directed by his red right hand Well, very awesome choice, Shorty. Uh, let us move on to the very last song of this episode and alan this is your pick yes i picked this this is a very fun song a little piece of speculative fiction from uh <laughs> right, before before i introduce it if you guys had to guess the first two biggest halloween songs ever what would you think they would be monster mash monster mash yeah. right of course and uh rob zombies dragula Oh, that's a great song. I don't know. I love that song. But I, I love that song, too. Never even heard of that. Oh. Dragula? Is it about drag racing or a drag queen? Oh, do you know what Dragula is? It's Grandpa, it's Grandpa Munster's car. Oh, right. So Rob Zombie, this badass, over-the-top, grotesque, gory he figure, his probably best-known song 
is a reference to Grandpa Munster's car. I don't, I don't even know the song. Oh my god! I'm yeah, the, you've probably heard oh, it. Burn to the bitches and dogs and the witches and blood and everything. Oh, that's you low. That's good, Bob. Yeah, you should do a white zombie cover yeah, band. That's gotta stay in. That's gotta stay in, or at least in. be the subject of the next year's uh, <laughs> Halloween episode of Songs of the Weird. We got half it. We got like half of next year planned out already. Yeah. Right. All right. All right. All the things we didn't cover this year. Exactly. So the so the second actually I didn't do the research on this, but I'm going to assume the second biggest Halloween song of all times is michael jackson's thriller oh yes yes uh, right. yes, yes nope you got it you got yeah. it yes for sure but um that's that's not what i'm here to talk about <laughs> sorry i threw everything off <laughs> i'm here to talk about jermaine jackson's escape from the planet of the ant men in the dark running in my heart our great escape from the planet of the ant So, of course, we know Thriller was a massive, massive hit for Michael Jackson. And so shortly thereafter, Jermaine, his brother, he wanted to get on that bandwagon. He's like, oh, I could do a horror themed song. So he recruited his brothers, Randy and Tito, and they put this song out. And when you hear the beginning of it, it's so obvious. I wouldn't say a ripoff, but it's an obvious homage the fake Vincent Price. In the yes, yes. So you have like that, that beginning with the fake Vincent Price. <laughs> Maniacal after after way too long of sci-fi special effects. It's like into like a minute into the song before it actually starts. And the story is about the protagonist, Jermaine, is abducted by Ant-Men from outer space. They came from outer space, I was kidnapped. Outside my cage, there's an army of ants. And he's put into a cage with the hot lady. He yeah, he says, they brought me a mate. Right. Basically, the storyline is the same as Escape from the Planet of the Apes. But instead of apes, they're Ant-Man. Oh, they're like, apes have been overplayed. Right. Uh, What else is scary? Ants? And so he finds a friend who's a bee, like a rebel bee that helps him escape. A rebel bee wants to help us escape. And then a wasp that drives him home. He's found a spaceship and wasp. I believe this song came out like one month after Thriller. So he was like hot on the heels. Oh, really? Michael, yeah. And Jermaine was upset because the record company, they didn't want to shell out for a video. It is begging for a video. And I could not find an official video. No, no. They, 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 yeah, the record company uh, cheaped out. So the record company must have been like, this is stupid. And we don't think Thriller's going to be a thing anyway. So <laughs> F you, you don't get the real Vincent Price. Right. It's it's actually like a, without this silly special effects and all, it's actually a pretty catchy tune. If you it's don't not, listen not, to the it's words, not, it's, it's, it's a, a great song. song. Bypass the intro. <laughs> right, right. I, I actually like it more than Thriller. I didn't think Thriller was 
other than the bass line, boom, 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 boom. It's not really that catchy otherwise. It was the video. The video is It's what, all about the, the video. video made it's it all about the exactly. video. Yeah. If like, that video think didn't exist. Do you think Jermaine, is Jermaine alive? I think he's alive. I believe so, I yeah. So, yeah. Do you think Jermaine, I was going to say, is he rolling over in his grave? <laughs> <laughs> above ground. Is he rolling over above ground going, oh, if I had only made a video, I could be the Michael. It seems I a little desperate. It seems how little desperate. cheesy would some of that production be, though? I mean, you have giant, oh you have ant, like, yeah. how cheesy. Even so, though this video doesn't exist, I can see it in my head. Yeah. Jermaine oh. doomed himself because mm -hmm. ants would cost a lot of money to replicate <laughs> realistic ant captors, whereas Michael Jackson just had to do zombies. He had to put makeup right. on people <laughs> and tear their clothes apart. <laughs> what a ripoff. And fade into obscurity. <laughs> Sorry, that might have been a little harsh. Sorry, Jermaine. <laughs> All righty. Uh, so what have we learned here today, kids? <laughs> we like to be scared. Yeah. We don't understand killers, but think we might be like them. <laughs> we try to understand them. We try to understand them. I think Halloween songs run the gamut. They're either goofy and funny or legit scary or, or try to be. They can be all of the above. Right. Well, my big hope is that this is only the first of uh, multiple Halloween episodes for Songs of the Weird. I have had a great time. Thank you, Alan. And thank you, Shorty. Yes, Thank thanks. You. Happy Halloween, everybody. Let's roll the credits. You've been listening to Songs of the Weird. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And you can listen wherever fine podcasts are streamed. If you've got a great idea for an episode, let us know. We'll be happy to steal it. Or if you think you or someone you know would make a great guest, we'd love to hear about it at songsoftheweird at gmail.com. Special thanks to Alan Partlow of Catterwall of Sound, Shorty Kawakami of Walking After Whiskey, and my wife Linda for helping me with all the technology I'm just too dense to get on my own. I'm Bobby Waller reminding you to keep it weird. Uh -huh.